Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the second episode of the FT's Startup Podcast. I'm Jonathan Moles. In the first episode, I looked at how to find an idea with legs. Now I turn my attention to the thorny issue of funding. A rough rule of thumb is that you'll have to set aside six months to complete an equity funding round, but most ventures make do on seed funding provided by friends, family and fools, the so-called three Fs. Dr Andy Harter found another way to fund his technology startup business with an early version of crowdfunding. I took the train up to Cambridge, where Real VNC started life as a research project in the R&D laboratory of US telecommunications giant AT&T. Dr. Harter told me his startup story over a cup of tea. The actual idea for VNC, the remote control software, so one computer taking over another one remotely, goes all the way back to 1994 and a project that I was responsible for in a research lab here in Cambridge, the AT&T Research Lab. And the idea was a simple one, that you could access your computer screen and everything on it wherever you were. Yeah. Very simple idea. There were one or two others doing similar things at the time, but it was pretty much the first of its kind. And we developed it, we found it useful. And then we had uh, what was, again, an unusual step for the time in 1998. We decided not to turn it into a business straight away, but to give Mm. it away. Uh, And it was one of the very early GPL free software examples. What was the thinking behind that, or were you inspired by someone? We just had an appetite for doing something slightly different. So we thought, I wonder if there is a market that we can actually create from nothing by giving software away. And if people find it useful enough, they'll tell their friends. And actually, that's exactly what happened. So we made it available on our website in 1998. And don't forget, this was the early days of search engines. And we were surprised after the first you know, few days, there were hundreds of people, some of them outside Cambridge, and that surprised us how they found it. And then all of a sudden, there were thousands of people finding and downloading the software. And very quickly, after a period of just a few months, it became hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world. And that number has just steadily grown and grown and grown ever since. And and our best estimate now for the numbers of copies of this kind of software is about 2 billion, you know, ours and and other versions of it. But there are about 2 billion copies of VNC at large in the world. But then the sort of downturn of 2002 came along. And in fact, AT&T closed all but one of its seven global research labs. And the interesting thing there was... All the people that worked at the lab here in Cambridge, rather than going off and getting uh, different jobs individually, actually 10 companies started and people stuck together in their project groups and kept doing the work that they were really interested in and really wanted to see if there was true commercial potential. And actually, I think all of those 10 companies are still around now. Wow. Uh, which is an unusual story in itself. Yeah. And they've all followed different parts. Some were the sorts of projects that needed heavy investment. So they did business plans and put themselves in front of business angels and venture capitalists and raised some substantial sums of money and have now done second rounds and and so on. 
Some were built up and then are now on AIM. So, you know, they've raised further amounts of money by right. doing AIM listing, public yep. listing. And others, and ours is a particularly strong example of this, decided, let's see how far we can build the company and grow it organically. And why did you think that was a good course? Because I suppose people think tech companies, yeah. uh, Silicon Valley model, you get lots of angel yeah. investors and then you go through... Series A, Series B, yeah. it becomes bigger and bigger and you, you get to the IPO of some multi-billion pound company. Indeed, and then that's true for very many examples and many people, many startups and much technology. But there were two things that really informed our strategy. One was that we had these hundreds of millions of people using the free software. So in a way, we'd already created our market. So we didn't have to spend an awful lot of money on that. The second thing, which is something I'd observed over the years, was that sometimes if you take money from people, they want something back on their agenda to their timetable. Now, that can be very good because that can actually put pressure on you to deliver things. It can also be very bad if you have longer-term plans. So being able to grow a business at our own pace seemed to suit us to be able to do that without that external timetable and pressure of an investor. Can you explain what you did need the money for. Well, at that point, this was free software. And yeah. it, it is quite difficult making money out of free software. Lots <laughs> of people have tried. And actually the dual model, which is something that we were one of the early proponents of, of having a free version and then a, a better commercial-grade, professionally developed... What we now call freemium. Which we now call freemium, but the word didn't exist... <laughs> But, you know, we, we essentially mapped this out as our strategy that we would develop this freemium model and, you know, continue to have a free version, which is partly marketing, partly awareness, and partly just we knew people enjoyed our software and we wanted them to continue doing it. But then to build a better version, and we, we thought we probably needed about two years of reasonably intense, but modest, you know, five to ten engineers, not a huge team of people, to build a commercial-grade, enterprise-quality offering. Mm. And so the question became, how do we fund those two years of development? How do we fund those five, ten engineers? How do we get our first little office and all those kinds of things? We decided to do this organically, so we pieced the money together from different sources. There were some government grant money at the time. There were European projects. But then we had this idea quite early on, well... We've got all of these people who love our software. Maybe we can tap into the love. And the idea came, well, keep using the free software, and if you've enjoyed it and want us to continue to develop it, how about you buy a T-shirt that says, I love VNC? We simply put that on the front of the web page, and they just sold like hotcakes. We sold hundreds of thousands of T-shirts and made hundreds of thousands of dollars selling T-shirts. But you went on to... Sell other things. We did. Um, we, 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 we had a whole range of merchandise, uh, T-shirts, mouse mats, baseball caps. We did pens and mugs and things. So that yeah. was a really important component of our seed funding for those first two years. Where it became really interesting is shortly after we started doing T-shirts and things like that, people started to say, do you know what? We've got enough T-shirts. Can we just give you some money? We didn't believe it to start with, but, you know, we thought, we'll humour them. So we just put a button on the front page of the website that says donate. And we made about the same amount of money through donations. So this was true crowdfunding. Did you find any other benefits from 
selling these t-shirts. We were engaged with them, so you often found yourself in a conversation with them or an email or whatever, that somebody bought a t-shirt and said, you know, your software is great, I've been using it ever since you made it free in 1998 and I use it for these following purposes. Brilliant, that's market research. So we listened to them and their comments we pulled together and we picked out features and that informed, if you like, the roadmap, the development programme for the product. I've come to London Business School to talk about different funding models with John Mullins, author of three best-selling books on starting and growing successful companies. John, conventional wisdom tells us that the way to start a great business is to come up with a great idea, write a compelling business plan, raise venture capital and voila, get rich. Is that the way it works? That's been the consensus, of course, for one or two generations now, but I think it's wrong. Despite some phenomenal success stories, the likes of Apple, Google, and others, and the fabulous returns that some VC funds have delivered, but I think it's fundamentally wrong. So why is it wrong? Two reasons. First, if you look at league tables anywhere in the world of the fast-growing companies, most of them never raised any VC. Second... The VC and angel ecosystem has sort of stolen the limelight over the last generation or so. But in fact, three out of every four companies that get backed by VCs fail to return the capital invested in them. And then worse, two-thirds of all VC funds fail to deliver any better than low single-digit returns to their investors. And along with the checks they write to their entrepreneurs, comes a lot of advice and support. But if I'm an entrepreneur and I've just gotten a check from a VC, do I want advice from an investor who's managing his fund that badly? I'm, I'm not so sure that's going to help me with my business. So what alternatives are there to this maybe overhyped sort of VC funding? Well, there are five customer-funded models. There are matchmaker businesses like Expedia, Airbnb, eBay, and the like. There are pay-in-advance businesses, companies like Dell or, or in India, Via, now the Intel inside of the Indian travel industry. There are subscription models. There are scarcity models like Zara, where they don't try and maximize the sale of every item. They make it scarce to force us to buy quickly before they pay their vendors. And then there are service-to-product models like Bill Gates and Paul Allen did, where you start a business as a service business, which can be customer-funded, and then over time you transform it into a product business based on what you learn. Can every business be started and funded this way? Well, no. There are some kinds that require more investment, a biotech firm, a hydroelectric plant uh, on a dam, on some fast-moving water. But I found great examples of customer-funded businesses in both B2B settings and B2C, in both goods and services settings. So I think this approach is much, much more widely applicable than at first meets the eye. Is this sort of customer-funded model easy? (laughs) It's not easy. If somebody's going to pay you in advance, for example, you better have a compelling customer problem that you're solving, and you better have a compelling solution to solve that problem, or they're not going to pay you in advance. But I would argue if the customer isn't willing to pay you in advance, maybe they'll never pay you at all, and isn't that information you'd like to have earlier rather than later? John Mullins. Back to Dr. Harter. I asked him whether he thought his model was a good one for others to follow. I think it can be repeated, and you can clearly grow quite big organisations with or without some investment on the idea of giving things away and making them useful. Mm. I think we were a little bit lucky. I think timing is everything. 
We now do have a word for this crowdfunding. Yes. There is talk that this sort of thing could be a major challenge yeah. to the sort of traditional venture mm. capital angel mm. funding. Do you see a world where we see much more of this? I think it's clearly going to be a component. I think there's some, it's about 5 billion through crowd platforms at the moment. That's still quite small in relation to other forms of investment, but it's Mm. certainly a growing number. And I think for many of, you know, the sort of garage style startups, I think it's perfect. I'll be moving on to another business challenge, hiring staff in next week's episode. But don't forget... If you have any questions for me or any of the experts I've spoken to, then email me at jonathan.moles at ft.com and we'll try to answer some of these at the end of the series. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.